Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is the Browns-Colts preview edition. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Lance Reisland is going to join us to give his film breakdown of the Colts. Uh, Tyler Shoemaker is going to join us to give his best bets for this game and some of his NFL picks. So let's get to it. I do want to warn everyone. Ashley is sitting in the lobby of the Browns facility. So there's going to be a little bit of an echo there. There's not a whole lot we can do about it. There's not a lot of places to sit and record. There is the Browns nowhere. facility, unfortunately. There's nowhere. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so Ashley's not in a cave or so. She's just out in the Browns <laughs> lobby. Um, anyway, let's get to it because I had to, I had to take off today after Jim Schwartz spoke. So I didn't get to actually see Deshaun Watson practice. So you guys get to be my eyes for me. Mary Kay, what did it look like? Well, it didn't start out all that well. On some of the shorter passes, it looked like he was leaving them kind of short. And uh, and it looked like they were kind of like dipping at the end. So, you know, they just didn't have their usual spin. They didn't really have their usual velocity on them. Um, but then as he warmed up a little bit, and I think also as he got a little bit more confident as the practice went on, uh, he got a little bit better just in terms of, of his zip on the ball, his velocity on the ball, and he started to throw some longer passes. He started out with some 10-yarders, and then he worked his way up to about 30 yards. And he completed several 30-yard passes, one to Amari Cooper, one to Marquise Goodwin, one to David Njoku, and um, that we saw. And remember, we are only watching the first 20 minutes of practice or so. So we're not seeing everything. We don't know what happened after we left. We do know that he was limited in practice. Um, so we know that he didn't, you know, take every single rep that he possibly could have. Um, so, you know, th- my takeaway from it is that based on what I saw, he probably could go out there and play in the game if he doesn't have any more setbacks and if he feels pretty good tomorrow when he tries to get back out there. But that's not the only criteria. The criteria also has to be what would be the long-term effect of playing in this game in the event that you further injure injure these micro tears in the shoulder. That would be my concern. So I would probably err on the side of caution and shut him down for another week maybe even another two weeks until he really feels like he can drive that ball with confidence, not be hesitant out there and, and, you know, just really let it rip and be who he is. But I don't know. I have a feeling like, I feel like it's trending maybe towards him playing hard to say. Ashley, what did you see? 
Yeah, I mean, I think for me in their practice, the biggest thing was when he was throwing the ball, not seeing, which Mary Kay, you talked about this, that usual zip that he has on the ball, especially on those deeper throws. Like if you go back and watch the video of that pass to Amari Cooper or David Njoku or Marquise Goodwin, like there's the ball is almost more, there's more like hang time almost on the ball. You don't have that quick zip that you would want to see in a game. Um, and it's hard to know, you know, was that by design? Is he just taking it easy, testing some things out? Are they going to kind of work their way up to that? Did he do it later in practice when it was closed to us? Like all of those things we don't know. Um, but that was my big takeaway. And again, like I think when we talk about the trends of him, you know, not practicing versus being out there today, it definitely is a step towards like, oh, well, maybe he will try to play. But I don't know that my feelings have changed on that in terms of thinking it's a good idea, which I didn't yesterday and I still don't really today. Um, but I think overall, like it was at least, um, I'm trying to think of the word I want to say, like at least we did get to see him throw some of those like 20 to 30 yard passes there at the end and they were completions but yeah the no zip on the ball and maybe the slight under throwing where I think the big takeaways in terms of his throwing motion today yeah and Mary Kay again I'm you know I'm obviously just working off the videos that you guys shot but I, I guess while I'm sitting there watching it you know there were some under throws you could you could see there wasn't a lot of zip on the ball but then I'm just thinking like he's also doing this against air so, you know, these weren't these didn't look like they were running any full speed routes. I, I imagine they wouldn't during individual periods. So you kind of have to compound that, too. So not only, you know, was was it maybe, you know, he, he wasn't just slinging the ball all over the place, but it was, it was also practice speed, like not just practice speed, but one on one, like not even one on one, but running routes on air, individual speed. And you start throwing some of those footballs against a real defense that's going to try and pick off every single thing you throw. There's pressure coming at you. It it's still very different. And so that's why I think sort of what you were you were alluding to, I think we have to be careful to just assume that him being out of practice means oh, he's going to play on Sunday or he can right. play on Sunday. Right. I I think there will be a lot that goes into it. And even when we talk to Alex Van Pelt Alex said something that I thought was pretty interesting, and he is a former NFL quarterback. He knows what he's talking about. He said, I would hate to put someone out there who is limited or who feels limited. So if Deshaun feels limited in what he can do and he doesn't feel he can get the ball downfield or throw it outside the numbers and some of the other things that he said that he really needs to be able to do uh, and he would be putting the team in some kind of a jeopardy for him to be out there, then he's not going to play. And the other thing to remember about this situation is the fact that it's not just Deshaun making this decision. There are a number of other people involved in this decision. It will be the Cleveland Browns medical staff. It will be Deshaun's personal private medical team. They're allowed to do that. You know, they when he was in Houston over the bye week, he had his medical team uh, give him a second opinion on this. So he's getting some advice from his own doctors. And, you know, when when your arm is your livelihood, you know, you have every right to do that. So he's getting advice from from those people. I'm sure he's probably going to talk it over, you know, with his agent and maybe his family or whatever the case may be. I think that, you know, it's just not going to be a decision that is made in a vacuum because it is his long-term future that's 
at stake. And if there's any thought whatsoever on the part of anybody that going out there and playing in this game uh, can result in him missing a bunch more games, then I think they will err on the side of caution. He is their $230 million man. They did surrender three first-round draft picks to get him. They do have him here for another three years after this, and they need him to be healthy. So if, if they want to throw him out there and everybody feels good about it, fine. Um, but if there's any thought, if there's any thought whatsoever uh, that that could knock him out for any length of time, then then don't do it. And I'm I would err on the side of caution right now, and I would shut him down for this week. Yeah, Ashley. And again, this comes with the caveat that you guys only watched the first twenty minutes or half hour. Didn't see any team reps. I mean, we don't even know if Deshaun Watson took team reps. Right? Like we don't even know if that happened. So, but based on what you saw, did you see a quarterback? who looks ready to play on Sunday? No, like not necessarily at all. Like I think it was more to me a guy who hasn't thrown a ton over the last few weeks from that we know of that hasn't been practicing with the team or anything, getting out there and testing things out. Like I think to me that was the biggest function of today in terms of what we saw. Um, and obviously, you know, I think when, when you miss any amount of time in the NFL, but especially now we're talking about weeks for him that he hasn't played in games and hasn't practiced full speed and all that, like it takes a minute for you to find your bearings again, I think. So to me, it did not look like somebody who should like really be, you know, anticipating going out there on Sunday and playing full speed in a game because it's already Thursday and that's what we saw in practice today. I think it was a good first step. I don't think it's the last step that needs to happen before he plays in a real game again. Okay, so I want to ask this, um, Mary Kay, because this is part of the decision the Browns have to make. And I ask this very carefully because I don't want people to take this the wrong way. Is there a scenario where if Deshaun Watson is kind of who he was today, the Browns look at this and say, we just might be better off with PJ Walker? Or is it like Deshaun Watson is, he can do so many other things and he's still so talented that he's still the better option for us? Because that's the other thing the Browns are balancing, right? The long term outlook, but also they're trying to win football games. So, you know, this is not. Deshaun Watson is significantly better than PJ Walker, but in this small window, is there a world where the Browns look at it and say, we're just kind of better off with PJ than a very limited Deshaun? Yeah. You know, I, I think that 80% of Deshaun is probably better than a hundred percent of PJ. If you were just making the decision based on that, because you know, Deshaun can probably do do some things in the short passing game. He can do some things with his legs. He can read the defense very quickly. Um, you know, there are so many different things that he can do. He can run the show. Uh, he knows this offense way, way better than P.J. Walker does. And um, so I, I would think that if you were just basing it on the level of ability of these two quarterbacks, that you would for sure say, you know what? 80% of Deshaun is good enough for us. But I just don't think that is the only consideration. I really do think uh, that they have to think long and hard about the long-term ramifications of putting him out there perhaps maybe before he's ready. I remember when I talked to somebody last week, uh, they said that the criteria would be pain-free and throwing normally. Now, when I asked Deshaun about that yesterday, he said pain-free doesn't have to be it. 
it can just be throwing normally. But the pain-free part comes in, uh, in, in the fact that the rotator cuff is strained and the micro tears are in the largest muscle of the rotator cuff. And if those, again, if those micro tears get any worse, if those muscle fibers stretch or tear any more that they, than they are, and suddenly you find yourself with a partial tear of the rotator cuff, then you could be out for the season. Now, I would have to talk again to some of the orthopedic surgeons that I have talked to because the one that I talked to initially, um, he said that he didn't think that there would be much risk whatsoever of making this thing worse, but that was just when it was a bruise. That was not when it was a strain. And a strain, of course, comes with the micro tears. Maybe those micro tears don't get any worse when you're trying to rip a ball 40 or 50 yards down the field. Maybe they don't. But because it is the largest muscle and it governs rotation of the arm, I would think it's kind of risky. I would think the micro tears would have a chance of getting a little bigger, and that's too risky. Those need to be healed. Yeah, I mean, a part of me, Ashley, wants to say, like, maybe they would be better off with the PJ, but even, like, just sitting there and listening, you know, as Mary Kay was talking, I'm just thinking, like, if Deshaun can go out there and play point guard, I would take that. You know, like, he's smart enough. He can stay in the pocket. He can pick a defense apart. He's smart enough to do that. Um, I, I just feel like they'd even be better off with just doing that. So kind of what Mary Kay was getting at, like maybe the maybe the only decision here is like the long term effects. Like, do you think you're doing long term damage for short term gains? That's exactly what I was thinking when you first asked the question. (laughs) Like, to me, it's not about, oh, should we start Deshaun over PJ because it gives us the better chance to win? Like, that just is the most obvious answer. Like you guys have said, like. Yes, Deshaun Watson, who you believe is a you know top 10 quarterback in this league, top five quarterback in this league, if you make the deal you do for him, is obviously your best chance to win, I think, whether he's 100% healthy or 80% healthy. But it's the question of, is that 70% of Deshaun or 80% of Deshaun, if you put him out there in that situation, is there a chance that this injury gets worse and becomes more long-term? And I think if there is even the slightest chance, caution to me is better in this situation than being overly aggressive for one game in mid-October. Okay, so Mary-Kate, does this thing play out? And maybe, again, we record this on Thursday night. It goes up early Friday morning. There's a chance maybe somebody's listening to this on Saturday or whatever. But if we haven't reached that point when you're listening... Is there potential that this thing could play out till game time? Or do you think the Browns make a decision on this on Friday or even maybe they make it on Saturday, um, but they make a decision before? Because I guess what I'm asking is, are we, is this going to be Baltimore all over again? Or do you think the Browns want to make a decision before then? I think in a perfect world, they would like to make a decision before then. They would like to know who is starting for for them at quarterback by tomorrow. I think they would probably like to uh, make sure that their team knows exactly what's happening and who their quarterback is going to be. And if they can do that, they will. But I also can see a world in which they list him as questionable and bring it up to get down to get to game time. I could see that happening uh, because this thing is, as we know, it's day to day. And, you know, 
they might not want to jump the gun on Friday and say that he's playing and he's starting. And then they get to Sunday and after two or three days of throwing on this thing, because that's another thing to remember about this. As Deshaun told us yesterday, this is almost like in the baseball world where you have to approach it, uh, you know, where you need days of rest on this thing. Um, So if he throws today and then needs a rest tomorrow and then throws some on Saturday, you know what I mean? Like there's a strategic plan going on here. And I don't know yet what, um, you know, what they're going to feel comfortable saying or not saying. I guess because of the mercurial nature of this injury and this shoulder, that they might not be able to to announce him as their starter tomorrow. They might have to list him as questionable and just see how it goes over the next 48 hours. Yeah, I mean, I could see this as a scenario where, like you said, they list him as questionable and then maybe even on Saturday right? They downgrade him to out or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's, I think that's in play too. In, unless, unless he wakes up tomorrow and that arm is just killing him or he can't throw the football tomorrow or he can't do reps during practice on Friday. I, that does feel like the most likely scenario to me, Ashley, that we're not going to have a firm answer, you know, Friday around 1245. Yeah. I mean, even just from, we've been talking about this a lot the last few weeks, but like the nature of a competitive advantage when it comes to injuries. Like, I think that's in play too. And if you, you want to take the extra time to make this decision and Hey, like it's, it makes game planning a bit harder for the opponent at that point, then that's all well and good, I think. But I would be kind of surprised if, if we do have that definitive answer by 1245 ish tomorrow. But I mean, I've been surprised before, never say never, I guess, but it just seems like there still is so much like, like, uncertainty has been the theme of the week in terms of whether he's going to play, will he or won't he? Um, So I I just kind of expect that to continue as deep into the weekend as humanly possible at this point. Okay. Deshaun Watson, the podcast topic that just keeps on giving for us here over these last three weeks, we are going to take a break and then uh, you're going to hear from Lance Reisland. You're going to hear from Tyler Shoemaker, and then we will be back and we will make our picks for this game on Sunday. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We now welcome on Lance Reisland to give us his keys to a Browns victory on Sunday. Lance, how are you? Good, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well. I have not watched any of those scary movies yet, so I'm still <laughs> uh, I'm still in a good state of mind. Um, I'm not messed up mentally or anything at this point, so, so that's good. Uh, let's get to it. The keys to victory for the Browns. What's number one? Well, I think, you know, as good as the defense has played, uh, we got, they have to pressure Minshew. You know, he's through for 329 yards. He's underrated. Everybody thinks he, you know, I just did a, uh, a podcast um, yesterday where people are, he turns the ball over. He's terrible. He's really not. What he is is a gunslinger. So uh, he takes chances. He's that Mike Leach kind of disciple where he's going to take chances. He's going to make big plays. Um, but I think as well as the Browns defense has played, they have to play even better, and I think the only way they do that is by creating turnovers. You know, they've lost the turnover battle all five games, and now the defense has played well enough to be 5-0, and but until the offense gets going, because I'll be honest with you, when Watson comes back, it's going to be kind of back to, like, rust, and, I mean, it's just it is what it is. So they have to be they have to take it upon themselves, I think, to create some turnovers, which will create some short fields, uh, and I think that's the next kind of next step for this defense is, all right, we're going to carry the load now. It kind of goes back to that Ravens Super Bowl team where just don't make mistakes. They're going to score. You know, the defense was that good. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, the, 
you know, the more you break down the Browns film, the defense is that good. So I think they got to pressure Minshew. They got to put, they got to, you know, make him throw the ball vertically and, and make him turn it over. So Gardner hadn't thrown an interception this season. Um, looking back through, through his game log, he hadn't thrown an interception. And of course he started the game against Baltimore. Uh, he came in and threw a lot of, threw a lot of passes against Houston. Um, even against Tennessee, he was 11 of 14. What did Jacksonville do differently than these other defenses? Or what did they do to kind of get him into those three interceptions? Well, they, their offensive line, you know, I'm be interested to see what they do with the Browns defensive line because their Robin, their their left tackle, really, really struggles with speed. And to me, when you watch Josh Allen in terms of techniques, he's a smaller version of Miles Garrett. And so this it's really going to be a struggle. They're going to have to chip. They're going to have to do things. So um, Gardner Minshew, because of who he is and because he's a uh, air raid quarterback, he's a rhythm timing passer. Some people are, but he's not a super off platform. Deshaun Watson Mahomes where he can throw it sideways. He's got to kind of be uh, feet kind of got to be set. Uh, he's got to be able to have a good protection in front of him. He can't have that A or B gap pressure. So the big thing was, is Allen created a bunch of pressure on his own. They did so. They mixed up some of their fronts and some of their blitzes, four and five man blitzes, and they did the same thing in coverage. Uh, and then their receivers don't get a lot of separation. You know, that's the thing you see is that their receivers don't separate uh, besides Pittman. Um, you know, the rest of the receivers don't create a lot of separation. He, however, is outstanding. Um, but that was the other thing I saw. But just the, just you got to get him off his spot. You can't let him take that one, two, three, be in rhythm and throw because he's pretty good. And that's what they did. They got him off the spot using a bunch of different things. So it sounds like this is a good matchup. I mean, there's a lot of good matchups for this Browns D-line. It feels like then this is probably a good matchup for them. Yeah, you know, the, I, the matchup, I, you know, I think the matchup of the week uh, in all NFL football is, is, is Quentin Nelson versus uh, Dalvin Thompson. You talk about two grown men going at it. That's going to be interesting, especially in the run game. But besides that, the rest of that offensive line really struggles with power to speed or speed to power guys, which is all the Browns defensive line. Um, you know, if you watch Oboe and, and Smith and, you know, I know we talked about, you know, Smith, you know, are they getting as much out of Smith? If you see the chaos he causes, it is, you know, and, and you know, once you get the all 22, they're going to be really, really tough to block. It'd be, it's the NFL, anything can happen, you know, and they're saying the same, same thing the Browns were saying going into San Francisco. No one thinks we can win. They're going to have a chip on their shoulder, but the matchup up front besides Nelson and Tomlinson, the Browns have uh, on paper have a really big advantage. Okay, so what's your second key? Uh, second key, they gotta they gotta find Moss and they gotta find Taylor. And you know, Zach Moss is a guy who had you know 150 plus yards against the Ravens a couple weeks ago. He had you know he's had another 100 yard game against the Titans. You know, Jonathan Taylor arguably is one of the top five, six, seven backs when he's healthy. He seems like he's getting back into the flow a little bit. Uh, they both catch the ball out of the backfield very well. They both pass protect very well. Um, Indianapolis likes to run a lot of duos, a lot of isolation kind of bully ball up front. They're not real um, tricky up front and what they do. You know, they do some different schemes, but basically they're trying to get into doubles, um, which is, again, a huge advantage for the Browns because the Browns don't accept doubles. They, they take gaps. So it's going to be we'll see who can win out on that one, and, and, and I'd be willing it's the bet that's Browns. But um, you got to find Moss. you got to find Taylor. Those are the guys who got to touch the ball, and they'll do some things with them in the pass game as well. Taylor had a couple good catches last week, screens, unders, slot routes, et cetera. So they got to find those two guys for sure. Yeah, that was what I wanted to ask you about. It it seems like, you know, this is a very underrated running back duo um, to begin with. I, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is not underrated, but this this duo together is, is, I think, a little bit of an underrated duo. And part of that is because they are both 
it seems like they're both pretty effective in the pass game. And, you know, you just kind of look at some of the targets. Um, they do use these guys a little bit in that passing game. So is that one of the keys here for Gardner in this offense is to, you know, can they use that Browns aggression against them a little bit and get the screen game going and, and get some of that running back passing game going? Well, you know, it's a copycat league and, and what everybody's going to watch is everybody's going to watch those two drives the Ravens had. What the Ravens did successfully was, um, misdirection they did they let them they trapped they whammed them they did some things and you know and the Browns made a couple mistakes too and they're human they gave it you know they've given up the least amount of points I mean least amount of yards in the last 50 years so I mean they're playing at a, a, a historic level but yeah I think you know those two guys they they create problems because they can do so many other things besides run the ball that's what Minshew wants to do it, the Browns don't want him to check it down because if he checks it down um, that means he's going through all his reasons, checking down. I think the Browns want him to push the ball downfield, be the riverboat gambler that he is, because then they're going to get some picks for sure. Okay, what's your third key here? Um, my third key is that I got to make somebody else besides Pittman beat him. You know, he, Pittman's got 40 receptions, uh, you know, lots of yards this year. He's really, really good. He's huge. Um, you know, he's 6'4", 220. He's a big target. I think Martin Anderson matches up great with him. Um, I like Josh Downs. I know you and I have been talking together for a long time now. We loved him. Um, in the draft specials we did, right? So he was out of North Carolina. Very good. He's starting to get his legs. I like Alex Pierce. He's another great uh, athlete. I loved him coming out of Cincinnati. So they have some athletic guys. Uh, this Granson, this uh, tight end Granson, he's an athletic guy. He can get in the seam a little bit. So they have some pieces, parts. They're not uh, maybe uh, NFL caliber stars yet, but they got some talent. Josh Downs is a talented guy. But I want, I want to see Downs and Pierce in the tight end. I want to see those guys uh, make those guys – beat you so you know if emerson's over there uh, etc i see the browns pressing like they need to do again going back to the scouting reports it's more about the other side of the ball because the browns defense is going to do what they do they're going to pressure they're going to clean it up with the linebackers and they're going to play man and they're going to vary it and they're going to find matchups and stuff but that's not changing so that's what they're repping so they got to make somebody else besides Pittman, who is he's really good i like him on film so let's talk a little bit about this colts defense before i let you go um you know, we focused a lot on the offense there, but this is a defense they're going to be without Grover Stewart now for a little while. Uh, but there are certainly names on this defense that people are going to recognize. Uh, Shaq Leonard, of course, DeForest Buckner. Uh, there, there are names people know. Hey, old friend Taven Bryan, who played for the Browns last year. Tell me about this defense. How do they play? What do they do? Where could they cause problems, especially if the Browns have either a little bit of a rusty Deshaun Watson or a Deshaun Watson who maybe can't throw the ball as effectively as he normally does or PJ Walker. Well, like you said, the first thing up front is DeForest Buckner. He's a big, long guy, six, seven, 300 pounds. He's really good at extending. Uh, I like Quiddy pay. He was out of Michigan. I really like him. I like the kid, uh, Samson Ukabam. He, you know, those three guys, they have 10 sacks together, long guys, athletic, um, the guy that got a block is Zaire Franklin. He leads the NFL in tackle. He has 77 tackles. He's an absolute tackling machine. And I know um, this is a name that will make you laugh, but uh, I don't know if you know this, but I like the guy named Ivan Pace who's out of Cincinnati. And uh, just that tenacity at linebacker, the ability to uh, – he kind of is a, a bigger, faster version where he seems to really uh, almost like JOK – he understands what's going on and he reacts so fast. He's an absolute tackling machine and the Browns have not been as good at getting to the second level on their double teams this year. So um, that being said, I think they're getting better and better, but you know, if you talk about like, what is Dewan Jones, you know, 
what's hard for Dewan Jones to do? What's well, hard him for for him to double team a three technique and then get off at you know six eight and find a linebacker in space? So that could be an issue um, for the Browns because he's a tackling machine. But those guys up front and like Taven Bryan, I actually thought Taven Bryan, even though Elliot uh, Jordan Elliott has played outstanding this year, I actually thought Taven Bryan was a better fit for what Schwartz is going to do. What Schwartz is doing on defense right now, Taven Bryan's really good at. And that's kind of what he's doing over the Colts. He's just taking a gap and going. And he's a big, strong, athletic guy. Not great against the run, but really good pass rusher. Okay, this is a really basic question, but you've watched this Colts team a bunch to prepare for this. This is a team that has three wins. They beat the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Now, granted, there's some, listen, that pass interference call in overtime was a little bit iffy, but they took advantage of it and they ended up winning that game. Is this team good? Like, Like, what should Browns fans expect out of this football team? Are they good? Are they just kind of one of those kind of mucky middle teams in the NFL? Who is this football team? Well, I think they're not, they're definitely not in uh, a middle team because they have enough guys on defense where they can play at a high level. And those, you know, if you think of like uh, Julian, uh, Julian Blackman, their strong safety, he's a guy that kind of reminds me of Delpit. So they have a bunch of athletic, they're pretty physical uh, on both sides of the ball. This is not an average football team. The thing that the, the, when you say what should Browns fans expect, the big thing is what do they expect out of the Browns? Because if the Browns play at the level they're capable of because you win with people, not with schemes, they're better than the Colts. But the Browns are coming off a huge win. Now they're they're in the same boat they were last week with the 49ers. Now everybody's telling them how good they are, and everybody's telling them um, you know, they're going to go to the playoffs and they're going to win the AFC. So they've had to kind of deal with it. Now they got to, what I want to see more than the Colts is I want to see the Browns maturity in terms of handling their business. You know, do they find the right matchups? Um, you know, Schwartz is that kind of defense coordinator. I don't think it matters. So I think they're in good shape. Um, you know, if Walker has to start, he didn't play great last week. I thought he was super competitive. I thought he ran the team well, but he didn't play great. They won because of defense. So he's got to play better if he's the starting, uh, starting guy. And I saw some, uh, you know, throws uh, from Mary Kay and Ashley today. And, you know, Watson doesn't look like he's ripping the ball right now. You know, I think he's getting back into it, but I, I'd be shocked if he played. So um, the Browns fans have to worry about what the Browns do. And that's a different kind of at, uh, attitude to have because if they play well and the Colts play well, Browns win. And that's not always the case over the last number, you know, couple of years or, you know, they're better than the Colts, but they have to get back to reality and, and get back in the rhythm and, and all that kind of stuff because it was a big win and it was a big win. Okay. Well, you get to go first here in our picks, uh, as always. So uh, what, set the tone for us, Lance. What's your pick for this game? All right. I, you know, I think the defense is going to be outstanding again. I think Minshew is going to turn it over. I think the Browns defense realizes they have to get some turnovers. Uh, but I think it's closer than most people think. Just because the Browns are coming off a high, uh, I think Walker's still limited in some of the stuff he does just because he's learning the scheme here. Uh, I got the Browns 17-6. I'm going to give the Colts two field goals. So I'm going 17-6 Browns. Another outstanding, another outstanding defensive performance too, with some turnovers. Okay, there we go, and that would be uh, that would be big heading into Seattle um, next week. That's gonna that one's gonna be a test. I'm really excited for that game. Playing it, yeah, and playing in Seattle, that has been that has been a nightmare for most teams in the NFL. That's a tough, you know, going across the country. That's a you know, 49ers just did it. It's not easy. And I think that's a good. I think that's a legitimately good football team too. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to all sorts of things. We'll save all that. We got a whole preview pod coming a week from now about the Seattle. <laughs> we absolutely do. And then when on Tuesday, we got to go over this one. We got lots of time before we get there. <laughs> one one thing at a time. We can't look ahead, right? <laughs> That's absolutely. All right. That is, like Lance Reisel. that is Lance Reisland. You can hear him every Tuesday and 
actually every Wednesday and Friday. We record on Tuesdays and Thursdays. You can hear them every Wednesday and Friday on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Lance, thanks for the time. As always, thanks for having me. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks to Lance Reisland for his film breakdown. And now, as always, we welcome on Tyler Shoemaker to give us some bets this week and kind of break down this game from a gambling perspective. Tyler, how are you? Good. How's it going, Dan? Doing well. Uh, look, you were right on that San Francisco game last week. Um, you were all over that that line was way too high and obviously on the wrong yeah. side, it turns out. <laughs> but Yeah, uh, we uh, missed field goal, you know, could have given out the money line, but no, we uh, we'll definitely take the take the win against the spread. Uh, we also hit our, our teaser as well, so a pretty pretty good week last week. Okay, so so let's kind of set the stage here. Um, let's start with the Browns now. Kind of where do you have them? Uh, where are they on your index? Yeah, well, let me just start by saying that the NFL in general right now is just kind of a mess with the slew of injuries, particularly to, to quarterbacks kind of across the league. So uh, the ratings are, are kind of scrambling right now to, to get a handle on everyone. But right now I've got the Browns number eight overall, which I think is, is really good for them. Uh, 15th on offense, number three on defense. Uh, and then the Colts, who they play this week, uh, 15th overall, seventh on offense. But again, Anthony Richardson now out for the season after having surgery. Uh, so in my opinion, there is a slight downgrade to Gardner Minshew. Uh, and then the Colts are 26th on defense. So, you know, the Browns might might be able to, to score some points this week, especially, uh, you know, hopefully Watson will, will be back here sooner than later, uh, which I'm hoping to hear from you on that. <laughs> well, I wish I could give you a definitive answer, but... Uh, as, as we've talked about uh, in another part of the pod, Deshaun did throw at practice on Thursday. Not a lot of zip on the football. Um, I'm not sure, you know, we might get some answers on Friday, but they might kind of play this coy. Maybe this is one of those things where they rule him out on Saturday um, or they make that decision that he's going to start on Saturday. So it's still very much up in the air, which is actually kind of a good opportunity, I think, to ask you. And, and this certainly pertains to, to the Browns over the last few weeks. How do you kind of factor in just obviously you, you look at where you have teams ranked, but when it's time for you to actually make a play or recommend a play, how do you factor in that quarterback uncertainty? Yeah. So in terms of like, I let the, I let the model run as normal. I don't make any manual adjustments to the number itself, but then, you know, once I get that projection, I say, okay, is this guy worth the discrepancy that I have between my projection and the line and honestly, Dan, in most cases, the answer to that question is no. I've, I've mentioned before, I think the, the betting market overreacts to injury news. And it's like they hear that a guy in particular, a quarterback, is ruled out and then they automatically go bet the other side. And I just I don't think that's the best way to do business. And honestly, you know, I've, I've criticized Zach Wilson and the Jets on this podcast before, but they're kind of a prime example. They've actually been pretty good against the spread this this year without Aaron Rodgers. And that's why, because by my estimation, odds makers have have downgraded the Jets seven points from what they would have had them with Aaron Rodgers in the lineup, and I don't think that's accurate. I've left my number the same, and my number has been much more spot on than, than what odds makers have had on those Jets games. Now, again, I've I've tended to just stay away because uh, I, I needed a bigger sample size, but it, it has kind of borne itself out that the market does tend to overreact to these to these injuries. Yeah, I've noticed. That. I mean, when just watching that Niners line last week, just the way it kept moving. And I mean, to it's go crazy. up that many, I mean, I could understand a point, two points, but to go up as many points as it did, I mean, it was shocking. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, well, and you know, PJ Walker had, had some experience last year playing with the Panthers. So it's not like he was completely out of his element. Now, obviously he did not play particularly well in, in looking at the box score, but that's a, a guy that's got experience. You know, if, if they would have made a, you know, three and a half, maybe four point adjustment from, from Watson to Walker, I would have probably understood that a little bit more. But like we talked about last week, moving that line from three, three and a half up, up north of 10 was just insane to me. So I'm, I'm glad we glad we made the play on the Browns that we did. So one other thing I want to ask you about is, you know, you mentioned this could be a week where maybe the Browns score some points across the NFL points have really been down um, a lot. I, I don't have it in front of me. I did see a stat on Twitter about under, I mean, unders are having a great year, which of course is no fun. Come on. Nobody wants to bet <laughs> unders, um, but are you surprised at all that that we are seeing so many unders and they're I mean they're hitting? Yeah, it's it's been weird. I was actually noticing that this week as I was kind of putting my numbers together for this week and then, you know, I always try to find some time to just evaluate the results of the season so far in terms of how my projections have fared and that sort of thing. And I was actually looking in sorting all of the games this season from lowest to highest in terms of the closing total. I noticed Totals that have closed 38 or less have gone under in three of the four and they pushed in the other. So they've not, a total at at 38 or less has not gone over the total a single time this year. So it just goes to show like, I mean, some of these games are just super low scoring. And, uh, you know, I I put out some bets in my vcin.com NFL best bets article uh, that went out uh, today on, on Thursday and, I gave out some unders and I'm like, I'm sorry, these aren't very fun, but like, it's, that's just the trend in the, in the NFL right now. These, these teams are just not scoring uh, as many points as we're accustomed to seeing. Okay. So let's get to this game. Uh, let's start with, is there something you like besides the, the game itself? Is there something in the, in the props that are totals? Is there something you like from this game? Yeah, I, I didn't love any of the props. And again, a, a lot of that, um, you know, uncertainty at the quarterback position and things like that, because that, not only affects the quarterback stats, but it affects how a team may call a game, things like that. So uh, I didn't really love any of the props here. And, you know, I hate to give out, like you said, I hate to give out a, a game under, you know, to, you know, as a, as a fun kind of bet. So I won't do that to, to the fans, but, uh, you know, one under that I think you can, the Browns fans can get excited about would be a Colts team total under 19 and a half, which I do like. Um, the Colts have actually been, Pretty decent, uh, pretty good on offense. Like I said, I've got them number seven overall, but that, again, a lot of that has to do with with Anthony Richardson. He has a big arm. He adds a lot in the run game, which definitely helps in the NFL. Uh, without him, I, I, like I said, I think there is probably a couple point downgrade here to Gardner Minshew. And as we've, I feel like we just say this every week, like the one unit on the field that I know I can rely on is the Browns defense. So, Gonna gonna go back to the well with them uh, and, and take the Colts team total under nineteen and a half. It, it, I mean, it's certainly been successful most of the year. Um, the, yeah. the Ravens game was really the one time that that it kind of got us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm comfortable going back to that. And you know, one bet that you could make as you kind of keep an eye on the Watson situation, because like I said, I I would probably value him at, at call it three and a half points to the spread. Because uh, I project the game as a pick'em again, health and and everything notwithstanding. So, if you think Watson's going to play, you could get ahead of that and and take the Browns money line. It's probably rough on average; it's about minus one fifty, depending on where you look. 
So obviously shop, get the best number, but you could, you could, you know, lay that, lay that juice, take the money line now, because if he gets announced in, I would expect that line to tick up, you know, closer to a touchdown. And then at that point, you're definitely not going to see a money line price like that. You said you don't want to give out the under, but we are going to talk about it. 40 and a half is, uh, is what I'm looking at right now on DraftKings. I checked over on FanDuel. It's, it's at the same number. Um, I'm trying to figure out how this game goes over that. Uh, maybe if the Browns, it, it just feels to me like this could be a game where the Browns do score a lot of points, but it's like 30 to six or something. You know, yeah. one of those games where one team does the heavy lift and doesn't get you where you need to go. Um, so it, is there a case for the over here to be made? You know, I I don't know that there, I mean, my my projection on the game, again, assuming healthy healthy teams would be 45 but when you factor in that both starting quarterbacks might um you know probably aren't going to play i mean obviously anthony richardson for sure not going to play watson probably not going to play um that definitely would impact the total here so there's just too much too much uncertainty for me to play the total i did look at the browns team total over but again just so much uncertainty with you know and and what we see a lot of times too is a guy tries to gut it out like like we're recording this Thursday night. Trevor Lawrence is going to play for the Jags, but you know he's he's banged up with a knee sprain. How effective is he going to be? We see guys try to gut it out, which you give him credit for. But like from a betting perspective and trying to forecast, you know how that's going to impact the game. It's very tricky. So I would prefer not to go that route. So like I said, I'm I'm, I'm just going to stick with with old faithful and what I know, and that's the Browns defense. Okay, um, and I'm assuming then you know you mentioned that Browns money line, so I'm assuming you like this Browns minus three. Yeah, that's that's what I if I had to make a play on the side, that's what I would do, especially, like I said, given the the chance that Watson plays and just from a sheer getting the best number, because if he gets announced in, like I said, everyone's going to go run and bet the Browns and that line's going to going to inflate like we saw last week. So you you could be holding a a really good ticket there uh, at minus three if you if you get that now. So if I had to make a play on the side, it, it would be the Browns. Um, but I, I, I don't love it to be honest. Okay. Um, I'm going to find, I'm going to find one here that I like before we get to, uh, to your least favorite and most favorite. Um, this feels like one of those ones where everyone is kind of saying the same things and it's just going to be crazy and go the other way. <laughs> We're doing totals here again, but is there any reason to believe that Brian Hoyer and Tyler Badgett or whatever his name is, are going to get over 37 and a half points. I I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I, I that that's that's all I have to say about that. I I don't think so. Fair enough. I I'm curious like where well what what did did you have a total for that game? What did you what did your uh what did the index say for that one? So, yeah, so I mean, again, fully healthy rosters would project 44 in that game, okay. but that's um that's that's two two sizable downgrades in in my opinion so and that's why i i don't adjust the numbers like i i adjust my analysis obviously but i don't adjust the numbers because i want to see like okay the model says this if if these teams were playing as they've played but like i mean just common sense says like they're not going to (laughs) play they're not going to play the way they've, they've played with with those downgrades at quarterback yeah, this is uh this is a Big Ten West game if ever there was one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, do you have a favorite bet this week? Uh yeah, I again sticking with these team totals, they they've seemed to be pretty good for me uh so far this season. I'm gonna go a team that 
has just really underachieved and just is not very good on offense. I'm going to take the Patriots team total under 15 and a half. I mean, they're only averaging 12 points a game right now. Um, and in my offensive ratings, they're number 31 in the league out of 32 teams. So I, and then they, they play the bills. The bills have my number one defense. I, I won't be surprised if the Patriots get shut out here. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, that's such a low number, but it's also like, I mean, why, why would anyone believe in this Patriots offense right now? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very bad. Um, so what's then, a, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say, you know, sticking with the, with the teasers. Cause like I said, we, we hit our teaser last week. Um, found another one here this week that, that I think has some value. I'm going to tease the dolphins uh, up to eight and a half. So I'm going to tease the dolphins up to eight and a half, and I'm going to tease the Niners down to minus one against the Vikings. Okay. Cause I, I, I think, I think the Vi- the Niners are in, are in a great spot, you know, in a, a great bounce back spot after losing last week. Like I, typically those type of losses tend to refocus the team. And I think they're going to come out and go gangbusters on the, on the Vikings this week. Yeah. And and this should be a fun test for the dolphins too. Um, I was very bullish on the Eagles coming in. I'm a little shaken right now. Obviously their record is great, um, but they're, they're coming off that loss to the jets and they just haven't looked like that Eagles team from last year just yet. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're 14th in my power ratings, uh, which, you know, I, I know we've, we've talked a little bit about my process and things like that, but you know, I don't factor in wins and losses at all like that. Obviously if you perform well, you expect to win, but like you said, the Eagles have, have found ways to win games. So like you credit them and from like a resume standpoint for that, but in terms of a power rating, their performances just have not quite measured up. So they're, they're not even near the top of my power ratings. Okay, so uh, well, let's do this real quick before I let you go. Since you mentioned the power ratings, can you give us your top five? Yeah, uh, top five right now. The Niners still number one, even despite the loss last week. Um, Bills number two, Lions up to number three this week. Chiefs number four, and Jags number five. I I love that you have the Jags that high. I'm I'm starting to get I'm starting to get a little Jags fever. Now we're they, recording this Thursday, like you mentioned. So yeah, listen yeah to this I'm sure they're going to get blown out and I'm going to look like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. But. <laughs> right. But I, I'm kind of starting to buy in on the Jags a little bit. Yeah. They, you know, they, they started slow, but, but they've really, the last, last couple of games, they've really turned it on. Um, and, and the model's been, been really impressed. So they're, they're up there in the, in the top five now. All right, Tyler, tell, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, follow me on X at Tshu Index. All my I, I put all my bets out there publicly, super transparent. Everything I bet, uh, I, I put out there. You can also read my my best bets articles. Read uh, read me at vsin.com. That's v s i n dot com. Uh, that's that's where I am am most of the time. And then uh, if you're a college football fan, you can also find me on the Friday uh, Buckeye Talk every week, going through some Ohio State bets similar to what we do here with the Browns. And he is not kidding about the transparency. He puts the wins out there, also the losses, um, which not everybody does that. So yeah, no, um, I, I, I don't. I don't try to try to pretend to be anything. I'm not. Uh, you know, I, I post my record, update the record every week. Even if I have a losing week, I say here's here's what happened. Back to the drawing board. My, I, I'm confident in in the process. My my motto has has withstood you know the test of time over the the last handful of years. So I'm I'm confident that long term we're we're gonna win. So. The bad weeks are, are bound to come. Uh, it, so just my, my last piece of parting advice here, I tweeted this uh, a week or two ago, but if you can't afford to to have a, a weekend where you just go 0 for 10 or whatever on your bets, like you're betting too much, either too much money or too much volume. So, you know, just, just make sure you're managing your bankroll. Those bad weekends are going to come, but we're going to have a lot more good ones than we do bad ones. 
Yeah, exactly. Have those limits and, and trust that process. Um, and you'll you'll end up having some fun and maybe making a little money in the process. Exactly. Uh, all right, Tyler, appreciate it. We'll come back on the other side. Mary Kay, Ashley, and I will make our picks for Sunday's game. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Dan. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks to Lance Reisland. Thanks to Tyler Shoemaker. Uh, it is It is time. I am not ready for this. I am not ready to make a, like a score prediction in this game. I feel confident about the team I'm going to pick just because of the team on the other side. Um, but I don't have a great read on the Colts, honestly. So I don't know if I want to go first here. Let's talk some Gardner Minshew. Let's kill some time <laughs> and talk some Gardner Minshew. Because those who listen to the quarterback draft every year know the final pick in the draft is the Gardner Minshew Memorial final pick of the Cleveland.com Orange and Brown Talk quarterback draft. So Gardner Minshew went 15th this year. We rated him as the 15th best quarterback in the NFL by default. <laughs> Might have been too high for old Gardner. Gardner. Um, so I talked to Lance. I had the, I had the, the privilege of talking to Lance, and he kind of convinced me that this is a good matchup for the Browns, that this pass rush should be able to get to Gardner Minshew, get him off his spot, make him uncomfortable. Um, They should be able to force some turnovers. So the Browns favored by three points on DraftKings. The total on this game is 40. We don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be for the Browns yet. If it is Deshaun Watson, I don't anticipate a super explosive offense. If it's PJ Walker, I don't anticipate a super explosive offense. So I love the under here. I guess um, we'll see if me and Tyler Shoemaker agreed with that on that. You already know that if you're listening to this live, I'm going to take the Browns. I'm going to say kind of low scoring. I'm going to say Browns 18 Colts 10. Mary Kay, what do you think? Well, you know, I'm gun shy after what happened with the 49ers last week. My goodness, that didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, So, yeah, it's hard to pick these games. It's really, really hard. I do think the Browns are going to win. I think that they're going to win regardless of who starts at quarterback because that's how good I think this defense is. I think that the defense should uh, be able to dispatch Gardner Minshew and and the Colts offense. Now, they should be getting more of Jonathan Taylor, and that will really, really help the Colts Um, But I still think that, um, you know, most offenses are probably going to struggle to score on this Browns defense. Now, of course, you don't want to be spotting the Browns defense. You don't want to be spotting the opponent at the 10 and the 8 very often. Um, So, you know, you kind of have to hope that if P.J. does get the nod, that he's not throwing interceptions. This is a team that likes to take the ball away, that goes after the ball. They, They hunt and seek the ball. And um, so, you know, that could impact things. But I still feel the Browns are going to win. And I think that it's going to be a score of about 24 to maybe 17. And I think I'm basing the 24 on thinking that Deshaun Watson is going to play. And I think they're going to take some shots on this pass defense. And the the Colts' pass defense is – it is 23rd in the NFL, giving up 243 yards a game. 
So I think that, you know, the opportunities are going to be there for Deshaun or even PJ to connect with Amari Cooper, who's just on a roll. And uh, so I I think the Browns are going to put a couple of touchdowns on the board. I think they can win this game and I'm going to go with 24 to 17. Okay, Ashley, what do you have? Dan, like you, I came into the Browns lobby. Well, we're not both in the Browns lobby, but I, I got onto this podcast. I went to the Browns lobby, logged on, and said, I do not have a score, but I know I'm going to pick the Browns to win. And as we were sitting here thinking, I'm like, I'm going to go low scoring again because last week was, you know, what it was. I do think the Browns can win regardless of if it is PJ, if it is Deshaun. Um, and I'm, I, I, like Mary Kay, I'm gun shy. But I think I'm more gun-shy about picking a really inflated score again, even though it's definitely a possibility knowing the Colts' pass defense and, you know, if the Browns can get something going there. But, Dan, all that is to say our scores are nearly identical because I'm picking the Browns 17-10 to 10 in this game. And I swear I came up with that independently. When you said 10 on there, I'm like, wow, everyone's just going to think I copied Dan. But promise I didn't. I promise I just was, like, thinking low scoring, too. I almost said seventeen ten. Oh wow! But I that got weird. Spooky. I got weird at the end, and I went eighteen to ten. So I like um, it. Yeah, almost went seventeen to ten. I just, I don't know. So Mary Kay, you said something interesting there um, about the Browns exploiting this pass defense, um, which they should be able to do. I do just worry that, like, if Deshaun starts, are they going to be able to get the ball down the field? And of course, if PJ starts. Is he going to turn the ball over? And that's kind. Of, those are kind of the two things that maybe change this game a little bit. If they can't take advantage of that explosive passing game, and if the Colts maybe don't have to respect that, or if the Browns start turning the ball over a bunch, which has been a problem this year, that's kind of how the Colts win this thing. Yeah, that is how the Colts would win this thing. Um, the Colts are even in the turnover differential. The Browns are minus eight. They're 31st in the NFL at minus eight. And if you start digging into the numbers, the numbers are even worse than that when you break them down a little bit. They're tied for second in the NFL with 12 giveaways. Over the last two weeks, they've thrown five interceptions alone. Uh, So they're tied for second with seven interceptions. Um, In terms of takeaways, they're tied for second fewest amount of takeaways in the NFL with only four. And I think those are going to start to come. I think uh, before too long, you're going to start to see a very opportunistic defense that that is going to start taking that ball away. And it could be this weekend. You know, maybe it won't be this weekend, but I think that that number is going to change and they're going to start to climb up the ladder a little bit in their turnover differential. Uh, it's remarkable that they're already three and two, having lost the turnover battle in all five games this season. That's really tough to do and a testament to this defense. But That is definitely how the Colts would win it if they win their turnover battle. And remember, the Browns have been at home, at home, at home a ton. They've played four games at home already this season, and they're three and one at home. And now it's time to take it on the road and make sure that they can play in crowd noise and all the other things that you have to deal with. And they got a really tough road game next week. And I do Mm -hmm. wonder, like, I don't know. It's weird to say, like, do you get caught looking ahead to the Seahawks? But I don't know, Ashley, maybe they do get caught. I mean, this this is a little bit like the scenario San Francisco walked into. Now, the Browns don't have to travel across the country to play the Colts. But everybody was giving love to San Francisco. You know, the Browns are heavy underdogs, much heavier than the Colts are in this game. Like, 
there are a few similarities there. Like everybody's talking about the Browns. They are the one of the main storylines of the NFL this week. Yeah, I think I'm, but because of that, I'm less worried about them looking ahead to Seattle and more worried about like that win hangover phenomenon. And like, I don't, I don't feel like that's something that's going to happen, but like of the two, I think that's more likely where maybe you get a bit too confident in yourself. Maybe you're reading your press clippings a bit too much. And we know guys and Jim Schwartz like have been asked about it and what you do to try to avoid it. A lot of them say they just block it out, but I don't know. I think that's easier said than done. So I think if they are to get caught, it's not because they're looking ahead as much as it would be because they're looking backwards and maybe got a bit too overconfident going into this game against a team that's 500 still. Okay. Well, we will see what happens. Uh, They are anticipating the roof being open. I didn't expect to hear so much roof talk today from Bubba Ventrone, but we heard a lot of roof talk, roof and windows open uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium on on Sunday. I think, I don't know, Jim Mersey hasn't made the big announcement yet, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, Browns and Colts, that is Sunday at one o'clock. Of course, we'll cover it all at cleveland.com slash Browns. We'll have our post-game pod as always. Uh, so just make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Subscribe to Football Insider, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Find us on YouTube, Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com, and find us on Instagram, search Orange and Brown Talk. Uh, thanks to Lance. Thanks to Tyler. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks to all of you for listening.